Thank you, Emma. That was absolutely beautiful. I love, I love the Lord, and I love being ushered into his presence. So, beloved, today we are going to be talking about what manner of love is this. What manner of love is this? Because, beloved, there once was a king who ruled the world. He lived in the lap of luxury. He had need of absolutely nothing. He enjoyed peace on all sides. He experienced joy everlasting. And his dominion was the universe. Things could not have been any better for him. And then one dark day, things changed. Darkness entered the earth, and people living on the earth began to suffer. And they began to suffer greatly. And this so grieved, this so grieved the heart of the king that he purposed in his heart to do whatever it took, whatever it took to end the suffering. Even if it meant leaving his place of glorious splendor to fight the darkness. So he set on himself on a journey to do just that. Our Savior, Christ Jesus, Christ our Lord and King, came to rescue us. Love poured out on our behalf. On that day, when he came to earth as a newborn babe, love came to our rescue. So we're going to go to Philippians, the second chapter. We're going to study a lot in Philippians today. And about Jesus, Paul spoke in Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. 
our victor, our savior, our king, our Jesus, gave up everything. He sacrificed everything. He suffered all things. He suffered all things, had every sin laid upon him at the cross when he descended to earth from glory. That was his intent. He knew what was going to happen. And he was willing to come on your behalf. To be born in a lowly manger. To be humbled for us. Thank you, Lord. He purchased us from the hands of evil. He purchased us from the hands of darkness and despair for us to rule and reign in victory with him, to rule and reign in victory with him forever and ever and ever. And he did it to secure our presence with him for all of eternity so that you and I could live sheltered in his loving arms forever and ever, held in the arms of love. You are held in the arms of love. He paid a price never before paid. He paid a price that would never be paid or matched ever again so that we could live in his love for all eternity. Can you imagine being in the lap of luxury, splendor, love, mercy, grace, peace, all the beauty you could ever want or dream of, all the serenity, nothing missing, nothing broken. Can you imagine choosing to come here? Praise you, Jesus. What manner of man is this? What manner of love is this? When we consider our Jesus, when we consider what he chose to do for us, when we consider our Jesus, is it asking too much that we should love one another? That we should have mercy to one another? That we should forgive one another? Christ came to this earth born in humility as a servant, as the Lamb of God who would be slain, who would be slain for our redemption, who would pour out his blood for our salvation. And he did it to show us the true way of greatness. Think about that. Think about what I'm saying. His example is the true way of greatness. His way is the way of greatness. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility 
Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. You know, we live in a culture where it's like, how am I going to be taken care of? How am I going to get this? How is this going to work out for me? Yeah. And it's understandable that we have this mode of self-preservation, but Jesus didn't have that. He entrusted himself to the Father's care, to the Father's faithfulness. And that's why we need, no matter what we're going through, we need to also be concerned about the interests of others. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, 2 through 6. Be completely humble and gentle. See, our culture, the world, has really lost its sense of gentleness. You know, just, just the way people speak to one another. Not, not people here at RCC, right? <laughs> but, you know, in a marriage relationship, in a friendship relationship, in a work relationship, People are so quick, you know, so quick to just give a quick, curt answer. We can speak gently. We can speak firmly, but gently. We can, we can demonstrate gentleness when we handle one another and our cares, our, our concerns with one another. We don't have to give the quick answer. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. So believers, we are united in Spirit by the Holy Spirit. We are united in spirit. The Holy Spirit does not divide against himself. You understand that? The Holy Spirit, a house divided against itself will fall, right? So we as the church body, the temple of the Lord, we are not divided against each other. We cannot be divided against one another. So how do we accomplish that? Well, if we are teachable, teachable spirits, got to have not my way, teachable spirits, Holy Spirit, what do you want? Lord, what's your will in this situation? Not my will, your will. If we're teachable, if we yield to the Holy Spirit, automatically unity flows among the believers. It will flow if we remain teachable and yielded. Colossians 3.12 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's you, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, is it always easy to demonstrate these characteristics? Okay, so we can't just read about them, okay? Because this is not easy. 
in the Lord, it becomes easy. When we trust him, it becomes easy. But in, our, in a person's human flesh, this is not always that easy. So we yield, and, and, and we yield to the Spirit, because he will always act this way. Bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. So wouldn't it be nice for each of us, could we make it a calling in our lives? Let me put it that way. Could we make it a calling in our lives not to have a grievance with another person? Wouldn't it be nice to get to the point that you do not have the grievance? In other words, when there's an offense, we don't take the offense. Okay? We see the spiritual influence or that spiritual darkness that is causing someone to act a certain way, but we don't take offense at the person. We deal with it in the spirit. Okay? And we, do, and, and we, do, we refuse to become offended. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect Unity, love, it is the binding force, okay? And here what it's actually saying is that love expressed, love, God's love expressed through you to others binds all these virtues together. When you walk in the agape love of God, his pa- pa- patience, his gentleness, his kindness, it's, that love is actually binding all those virtues together. You see what, do you see what he's saying there? It's pulling all those virtues in. It covers all those virtues. Hallelujah. So when I walk in love, agape love, when I walk in the love of God, it doesn't mean that you agree with a wrongdoing. I'm not saying that. But when you choose a love reaction rather than hate or vengeance or I'm going to get back at you or I'm not going to forgive you, when we choose that love reaction, these virtues pour forth, become demonstrated through us, right? Hallelujah. So that is the way of true agape love. This is the path of the heart of Jesus. This is the path of the heart of Jesus. This is the way of greatness. This is the way of greatness. And this is the path upon which the Lamb of God, listen, listen, because the Lord told me to specifically say this. This is the path upon which the Lamb of God became the lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you understand what he's saying? Walking that path, walking that love, being willing to give up what you might think is rightfully your due gives you entrance to the lion of the tribe of Judah. It transforms your life. It transforms your spiritual life. This is the path by which, this is the path by which 
he has ordained us to reign with him. This is our victory. Do you understand that? In our love for one another, in our unity in the gospel, in Christ, we rule and reign and become lions in the tribe of Judah. It seems odd to us that meekness and humility bring power. It seems odd to the us that meekness and humility and servanthood bring ruling and reigning. But it's God's way. We will walk in the same joy and enjoy unspeakable joy and full of glory when we have this same mind that Christ had when he chose to come here and when he chose to serve us in the way in which he did. Philippians 2.5 Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And he wouldn't tell you it should be if you can't do this. He gives you everything you need to do this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Back to Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God. He could have. He could have said, no way, I'm staying here. I've got it, I've got it great. You see? did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, be, being made in human likeness. If you really think about it, if you're one of the Trinity, in unity with the Father, in the glory, why are you going to choose to be made in human likeness? Who would choose that? And he chose it for you. He chose it for me. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, now today, he is exalted with the name above all names. God exalts the humble in heart. God exalts the humble in heart. Those who humble themselves those who walk in brotherly love with the love of the Lord, with the agape love of God. He exalts them. And we need to follow his lead. And I know this is going against a lot of emotions and feelings today, because I'm certain there are those who are screaming, yeah, but I can't just be a dish rag. I can't be a doormat. Well, I don't believe Jesus was a doormat. The strongest man that ever lived, and he allowed himself to be humble. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. In other words, let's follow his lead. Let's keep our eyes there. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, now think about, think of that. What was his joy? What was his joy? You all, you all, 
You all are his joy. Bringing you with him to heaven is his joy. Doing the will of the Father is his joy. Pleasing the Father is his joy. And he really didn't care what he had to suffer. Because you were the prize. You were the goal. You were the destiny of his heart. Think about that. You're the destiny of his heart. Hallelujah. Who for the joy, back to verse 2 of Hebrews 12, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man. So are you going to be opposed? Will you be opposed when you're, when you're furthering the gospel? Are you going to be opposed? Are you just going to walk through a bed of roses? No, there's opposition in the world. You're going to face opposition. Who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's why we need to fix our eyes on him. We need to fix our eyes on what he did. We need to fix our eyes on how much love he poured out. And it did not matter the opposition that he went through. He said he scorned the shame. He did not consider himself shamed. You can't let people put that on you. You understand? We fix our eyes on Jesus, so no matter what happens, we do not become weary. We do not give up. We suffer persecution, but not shame. See that? Your righteousness is in Christ. Your integrity is in Christ. And we honor God by walking through that persecution and not giving up. This is our victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This walk, it takes perseverance, beloved. This walk takes great perseverance. It takes a refusal to fear, a refusal to fear what people are going to say or think about you. It takes boldness of heart. It takes a boldness of heart for you to know your integrity with the Lord. It takes confidence of your righteousness as a believer, of your righteousness in God, your right standing with your Father, knowing who you are in Christ. It takes a bulldog tenacity. It's not for the faint of heart. This takes bulldog tenacity. It takes a humble, humble trust in our Father. You're not always going, I hate to say this to you, you're not always going to understand every little thing at the given moment. God will reveal it because he doesn't keep you in mystery, but you're going to be going through things sometimes that you don't really understand. And you need to learn at that point, well, let me put it this way, when you face difficult challenges, yes, you want to look at yourself, 
and say, okay, is there something where I need to repent or is there something, you know, that I need to fix or go on? But when that is done, beloved, you need to stand in the righteousness that you have in God. You need to stand in the integrity of the Father. You see, do you understand what I'm saying? (coughs) So this takes, in those moments, this takes a faith and a trust (coughs) in your Father that he's got you. It maybe didn't get all fixed overnight, but he's got you and he's working everything out for your good. He will do that. He doesn't bring the problem, but he brings the good out of the problem. Okay? So this takes an irrefutable and an unrelenting faith. It takes intention. When you're going through difficulty, it takes intention to continue to demonstrate Christ. But the grace of God, the mercy of God, is always there upon you and with you and in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know what that really means? Christ in you, the hope of glory? Okay, glory is unity with the Father, right? When we are in unity with the Father, we manifest him. So that hope of glory is him manifesting through you. That's what the hope of glory is. Him manifesting himself through you. Not of your works, but because of him. It's beautiful. Philippians 2, 2. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, talking to believers, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Can you purpose that? Can you purpose that? To not always be finding the divisions or the conflict or the consternation, but being one in the spirit with your brethren? Not picking at all the dick the doctrinal, you know, I don't know, not nitpicking at all that. Can we find common spiritual ground? We need to do this. We need to purpose this. It says here, being one in spirit and purpose. We really ultimately have one purpose, and it's to spread the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ. So that people can be healed and saved and delivered and helped and rescued and redeemed. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. Where are you? Where, are, where is that person that maybe you don't see eye to eye with? Where is that person in their walk? Where is that person in their heart? Where is that person in their life? You understand? You probably have something to offer if you don't become in conflict speak the truth in love, right? Well, the most loving thing you can do is speak the gospel, which sometimes isn't easy, but will always bring deliverance and peace and joy into that person's life. So figure out where they are. 
in their life and minister to that. So th- this particular walk, this walk that Jesus did, <coughs> and he showed us how to do, this walk takes love for one another. And this love, this love, makes our mission, makes it our mission to be the gospel of peace in Christ Jesus. It makes that our mission. That's our supreme goal. That's our pursued destiny, so to speak. And this love, demonstrating this love, choosing to demonstrate this love to yourself also, by the way, okay? I'm not talking about that as much today. But you have to understand it first before you can give it out, right? So, so this love goes way, way, way beyond allowing itself to be trampled upon and set off course, basically, by strife or discord or offense with our brothers and sisters. goes way beyond allowing that to happen. The world will know us by our love for one another. You get evaluated by that. You, you may not know it, but when you're dealing with people, they're going to see your love for the brethren. And it's going to influence them for good or for bad. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, follow the way of love. After that whole discourse of all the attributes of love, in the first verse of the next chapter, it says, follow the way of love. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Philippians 1.27, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, we don't want to turn this into works. That would be an easy thing to do, right? Work, work, work. Acts, acts, acts. The love and the mercy and the grace of God allow you to flow in the spirit, allow this to come, because he's transformed your spirit, right? He's given you a whole new nature. When you become a believer, you have a whole new nature, and it can just flow from the nature of Christ in you, right? So this isn't works. This is not trying to see how good we can be. Have I tallied enough good works today? This is allowing his nature to just flow forth in you, from you. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see, this is Paul, then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, listen, contending as one man, Contending is one. Unity, our unity in Christ for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way 
by those who oppose you. No matter what opposition comes, no matter what demonic attack comes, I will not be frightened. I will not be moved off course. I will not silence my lips. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, and that by God. So no matter what we face, when we walk this way, we are saved. may not look like it at the time, but when we walk this way, we are saved. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. So this walk, when we go through suffering, this walk sometimes requires us to overlook a suffered wrong. Requires us to overlook a suffered wrong. It requires unity in the spirit. It requires a fearlessness. A fearlessness. A singleness of thought to please God no matter what. To please God and him alone. To do his will. So here in Philippians, we have Paul in one of the most horrific, most terrible prisons at that time in the world. He was in chains and suffering because of his defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was persecuted. And the words, listen, the words joy and rejoicing, you probably all know this, come up over and over and over and over in this gospel. Joy over 19 times in this gospel. And he's in one of the most putrid prisons that existed. So Paul, even though, even though he was in prison for the gospel, he wrote letters encouraging this fearless, this bold proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ with an attitude of joy and rejoicing. He's being persecuted, he's suffering, he's in prison, and he's writing these letters to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with joy, with joy. No one can steal your joy. No one can do that. You can only give it up. So in the middle of persecution, he's talking about joy. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what ha has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You know, and we go through things and we're like, well, how can this advance the gospel? doesn't look like the gospel. <laughs> doesn't look like the gospel sometimes. <laughs> uh. But your perseverance through the persecution advances the gospel if you don't give up. When we don't give up, your perseverance advances the gospel Refusing to relent from the message of Jesus. I refuse to relent from the message of Jesus. I'm not going to change my gospel 
because of a circumstance or a persecution or a suffering. I will use it to advance the gospel even more so. And Paul said that that's exactly what was happening as a result of his persecution. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. More courageously and fearlessly. When we go through persecution, we want to speak the word more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love. In love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. We are here to advance the gospel in love and joy. In love and joy. In the midst of persecution. Not to complain, not to, when everything is happening in the world, not to sit around and listen to the fear mongerers, not to prophesy doom and gloom, but to prophesy the gospel, to prophesy the hope, to prophesy what Jesus came to give us. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 14 through 18. Do everything without complaining or arguing. If our children had to listen to this verse one time, it was a million times. Seriously. Anytime there was a disagreement, we had to go through this particular scripture. Just what what we had to do. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. How many of you know there are plenty things about our brethren that we could find to complain and argue over? He didn't do this right. He's not doing that. She didn't do this. She's, you know, she did that. Always it's this way. They're always doing this. They're, you know, the minute that word always comes into your vocabulary, you have to recognize unforgiveness immediately. That word, that word alone, indicates unforgiveness in your heart. He's always doing this. She's always doing that. That's a, that's a condition of unforgiveness, and you might as well take, a, take note of it before it becomes a bitter root. Because a bitter root in the end is only going to cause you pain. That brings death and destruction into your own life. So if you find yourself even thinking that, get rid of it. You say, okay, I'm going to have to change my attitude into the attitude of Christ. That's what I'm going to have to do. Have to. It's, it's preservation for your life. We can't think that way. Well, we can, but we certainly don't want to. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Do you know you can walk in the love of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation? And if you can do it in a crooked and depraved generation of the world, you can do it in your family, you can do it in your friendships, you can do it at your work. In which, here's here's the result. 
Here's the result when you do this. In which you shine, you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Do you know by not complaining, not arguing, not finding fault, you are holding out the word of life? Did you ever realize that? By not complaining, not arguing, not finding fault, not nitpicking, not finding what the other person's always doing wrong, that you are holding out the word of life by your uh, example. In which you shine like the stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Beloved, when you walk this way, you are not running and you are not laboring for nothing. When you come to stand before your Father, every time you choose to behave this way, He is going to say to you, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, well done, well done. that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad. I am glad. And rejoice with all of you. So too, you should be glad and rejoice with me. Do you see the heart of Paul here? When you are on the bed of suffering, what you think is suffering, what we think is suffering, I'm putting that in quotes, it is not. It is a glory unto the Father when you sacrifice and service, serve because of your faith. Because your faith allows you to put somebody else and their needs and maybe their pain and their hurt in the forefront so that you can help. Is that making sense? Even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from you, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. This is the attitude of Christ for the joy that he saw redeeming you. Can we see that same joy in extending a hand of redemption to other people? That's why he came, beloved. That's why he came. Beloved, we have such an amazing, we have such an amazing and joyous opportunity. This is an opportunity that few have. Think about those who are not, that are yet to believe. Think about that. This is an amazing, it is a joyous opportunity to share the gospel of peace and redemption and mercy and forgiveness and salvation to a world who needs to know. This world needs to know the love of the only true salvation that exists, Jesus Christ. We cannot live, listen to me, this is critical. I, I need you to grasp this thought. 
We cannot live as enemies of the cross. What does that really mean? What does it mean to be an enemy of the cross? It means being unwilling, unwilling to make the sacrifice, unwilling to lay down our lives for our brethren who need to know the love of Jesus. That's an enemy of the cross. The cross was all about what Jesus gave, and it happened when he chose to come here, which he didn't have to do. He made that sacrifice from the get-go when he came as a baby, humbly, and had to grow and endure this world. And we cannot live as enemies of the cross, unwilling to lay ourselves down for our fellow brethren and unwilling to lay ourselves down for, the, for those who are yet to believe. We must run this race, this so critical race, this, this loving race, this race of love, this race of greatness, this, this attitude of Christ, the same attitude of Christ. We must run this race with vigor. We must have vigor. We must have tenacity. We must have courage. We must have long-suffering. We must have fearlessness. We must have passion like no other. We must have patience. We must have gentleness and kindness. And what better gift could we give to those around us this Christmas well, in all year. <laughs> but we're thinking about it more at Christmas, which I don't know what that says, but, you know, what better gift could we give to those around us at this time of Christmas, at the time of our Savior's birth, our Lord's birth, than to share and to demonstrate the very same kind of love, the same attitude of love that he has given us. Philippians 2.7, who made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him. That's what awaits you when you walk in the humility and the attitude of Christ. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. So may we demonstrate, may we demonstrate this same manner of love through this season and, and forever. This will change our nature when we choose to demonstrate this. We're just allowing the nature of God to come out is really what we're doing. But may we demonstrate the same manner of love. Jesus, who made himself nothing so that you and I could have everything. Hallelujah. So that's what the Lord told me to share with y'all today. And we're going, do 